Thanks for listening to another episode of Orion's From the Battlefield to the Boardroom podcast. When you decide to accept a job offer, you're trusting that you're making the best decision with the information available to you. Sometimes you end up starting a new position that doesn't quite align with the one you thought you were interviewing for. While every job is going to come with additional responsibilities that might not be in your official job description, there are some things to look out for during the interview process that can help you make the best decision about whether a job is right for you. Amy West, a Navy veteran and Orion recruiter, joins the show to discuss ways to determine if a job is a good fit for you during the interview process. We'll discuss six signs that the job might not be a good fit for you, questions to ask during the interview process, and how to decline an offer or quit a job while maintaining professionalism. If you have any questions about this interview, or if you have an idea for a future show, please send me an email at podcast at oriontalent.com. Hey, Amy, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, Megan, thanks for having me back. Well, you're always a great guest. I'm excited to have you here to talk about today's topic, which are looking at some red flags when you're interviewing for a job. So I know that you'll have a lot to say. We'll talk about some articles that I found online. But before we start talking about that, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So I was in the Navy active duty for five years. I was a gas terminal electrician stationed in Northwest Virginia on the USS Bulkley, which is a DDG. And I was job hunting before my terminal leave started. I got an email from Orion about an opening for a recruiter in Virginia Beach. So I read the job description, and I just knew it was the right fit for me. So I interviewed with the Orion team, and here I am. Well, that's awesome. You're Obviously, we're very glad to have you here. You're always a great contributor to the podcast. So what I want to talk about today is, you know, the topic of trying to figure out if a job's going to be a good fit for you before you even get started. It's so hard to do that because I think you're always kind of trying to make the best decision that you can with the information you have, and you don't always have all of the information that, you know, would really be necessary to guarantee that you're going to um, enjoy the job. It's almost like a leap of faith. And a lot of people don't want to be seen as job hoppers. Um, there's always, you know, the question of how long do I need to stay at a job until I can leave, even if I'm absolutely miserable here. So I want to talk about some of the red flags that you can look for when you're interviewing for a job to tell you that maybe it's not going to be the right job for you so you know ahead of time before even accepting the position. Okay, awesome. I'm really excited about this topic today because finding the right fit is so important because you're right. Nobody wants to be a job hopper. So you want to try to mitigate the risks before you accept the job. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so I found this article on the balanced careers, and it says six signs that the job that you're applying for will be a nightmare. So I wanted to talk through each of these and get your thoughts on them as well and, you know, just from your perspective as a recruiter, what you would tell your candidates when they're thinking about this as well. So the first one on the list is um, that it's a red flag if the interview process is deeply disorganized. And I know that's something that can be so frustrating for candidates. It's something that we try to help mitigate a little bit as recruiters. You know, you want to keep them in the loop and let them know where things are going. But can you talk through this one a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. 
So first of all, I think it's important to have some flexibility and be understanding when you're on the job hunt. Now that said, if your interviews are constantly delayed and pushed back or they're changing with little or no notice, then that's an issue that needs to be addressed. Definitely. And I think you know, what you said, having the flexibility, that is important because things do happen and these managers, they're human. So obviously it's very important to you to get this interview scheduled and to hear back on next steps. And, you know, it's important to them as well. They've got goals that they need to meet. But sometimes other things come up and they have a day job that includes not only you know, interviewing and hiring you, but it includes their other responsibilities that sometimes end up taking priority, unfortunately. Yes, and it's really important to come from a place of gratitude and understanding when you're interviewing, um, especially because these hiring managers, a lot of times, they have a lot going on, and depending on how high up in the food chain they are, what position you're interviewing for, there could be very important things that come up that cause your interview to get delayed. Now, if that happens once, maybe twice, I wouldn't call that a red flag, but if it's ongoing weeks and weeks and you can't get something scheduled or people are changing out of the interview process, that would definitely be a red flag to me. Mm -hmm. And another thing this article mentioned is, you know, to take note if the email responses are always slow. And I think that's something that is definitely important. I mean, just a personal anecdote. I was on vacation last week and then I had some work travel this week and I, I feel like you know, I've kind of dropped the ball on getting back to people, and so I'm trying to, you know, make up for lost time. And, of course, when I get back to people, I'm apologizing. I'm so sorry for the delay. So if it happens once, then it's fine. If it happens a couple of times and, you know, they seem apologetic about it, but if it's a constant thing where you're always needing to reach out and they're taking, you know, three business days to get back to you, that's probably something to just keep in mind that maybe that could be, a, you know, a little preview of what it would look like if you worked there where communication is not as timely as it should be. Absolutely. Communication is definitely a two-way street. Now, on the flip side, to be a good candidate in the interview process, you should also be communicating well. You should be replying back as quickly as you can, you know, keeping your voicemail box cleaned out. Just keep the respect going both ways. Mm -hmm, definitely. The number two on the list is if you hear complaints and people look unhappy. You most likely, I would assume, in the interview process aren't going to hear complaints unless it's really bad. And in that case, then yeah, that's an immediate red flag. But I think if you're going on site somewhere and you can kind of look around and see what people are doing, it would be interesting to see if you see people kind of congregating and standing around laughing versus everybody kind of at their desk with, you know, a stern look on their face. Obviously, sometimes people have to work and they're not going to always be sitting around chit-chatting or anything like that. But I think having the opportunity to interview on site can really give you a peek into what it looks like there. Definitely. And if you do go on site for an interview, if you can, see if you can maybe stop an employee who works there and just ask them what the company culture is like. You can also look online, but it's important to keep an open mind. Sometimes a few disgruntled employees will take to Glassdoor or Google reviews and they'll sort of vent. 
but I would recommend asking the employees who currently work there when you're on there on site instead of behind a computer screen. Definitely. I think that's a problem that you can run into with a site like Glassdoor is that you really have to take some of the reviews with a grain of salt. So if you are going to look at it, maybe look at you know, recurring themes, things that have been mentioned multiple times, whether it's about poor management or, you know, inability to get a raise. Like if there's something that you see that's occurred multiple times, maybe it's something that could be worth considering. But at the same time, you're always going to get people on there that are going to leave bad reviews because people are more likely to leave a bad review than a good review. Absolutely. I like to compare it to using something like Yelp, right? You might have a restaurant that you love, you enjoy it, you consistently have a positive experience there, and one person goes there, has a bad experience, and they take it to the Internet and blast it everywhere. But you might not have taken the time to write about your positive experience there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so the third one on the list is interviewers give a really hard sell. So I think this one could be a little bit tricky because, you know, you obviously want to feel like they want you to come work there, but maybe there might be something to be said about, you know, being a little bit skeptical if they give you an on-the-spot job offer. So from a recruiter's perspective, do you really see a lot of on-the-spot job offers, and do you think that's something that they should be a little bit wary of? I think that's, that's a very complicated topic because sometimes on-the-spot job offers can be very good. It means the interviewer thinks that you're the perfect fit. They're not going to find anybody better than you to do the job, and they want you on their team as soon as possible, in which case that's a positive thing. I think it also comes down to sort of reading the social cues and reading the body language of the employer. If they just seem so happy with you, thrilled with your experience, you're going to add value, that's a good thing. Now, if they seem desperate or needy, or maybe they've made some negative comments about high turnover rates, or if they're talking down on the current employees, those things would signify a red flag. But I don't generally take on-the-spot job offers in a negative context. Yeah, I mean, it could be a really great thing, and who would not want to receive an on-the-spot job offer? I mean, I think that what you said is all very good information because you would be able to tell if they genuinely seemed impressed by your background and were asking a lot of questions and there was a great dialogue and it just seemed to click for you and for them, then I could see how that would seem like it was a good option. But if it's not that way, then, yeah, it could be something deeper, like the fact that they're desperate or they have high turnover. Sure. If you're both equally engaged and equally excited, then that's a good thing. But if you're on the fence, you're feeling a little bit wary and they seem very pushy or like they're sort of overselling the opportunity, I would take some time to think, do some research, and consider. Mm -hmm. So moving on, number four on the list I think would be a little bit difficult um, for most candidates is just the negotiation process. And I know that we do help with that at Orion, so that's one of the benefits of working with a recruiting firm. But 
you know, not everybody dies. And so sometimes you do, you're on your own when it comes to negotiating. Very rarely is a company going to give you an offer that is the line in the sand. We cannot go above this. And so generally you're told to ask for more because if you don't ask, you won't receive. But number four on the list is that the negotiation process feels like it's happening with an enemy. So what do you think about this one and what should candidates kind of be on the lookout for when they're in the negotiation process that would be a red flag? So personally, I think that salary negotiations can be one of the most complex and difficult parts of the job search because from the candidate's perspective, obviously you want to make the most money that you possibly can, right? You don't work for free most of the time. Now, from the employer's perspective, they're in the business to get the best talent for essentially the best price. Now, you should research your background, research the market that you're job hunting in, and research what companies are paying for similar roles across the country and in that region. So if the hiring manager is offering crazy below market wages where they're trying to push you into taking a lower paying job without having any sort of benefits to offset that, that is definitely a red flag. Now, if you know that the going rate for your skill set is average between $28 and $35 an hour in a given region, and you're offered $15 an hour, that's a problem. Now, if you're asking for a lot more than you know you're worth, that can be an issue for the hiring manager to come to an agreement with you. But if you feel like you're being pushed into taking lower money, you should turn around and walk out. Mm -hmm. And like you said, research is key. I mean, you don't really know, especially most military candidates, they don't really know what their market value is. And you might think that you're worth something because that's what you made in the military. It's not always like that, especially when it's your first civilian position. So you never really know, and research is going to at least help you have some sort of idea of where you would fall to where you know, if somebody does offer you something that's a little bit below what you want to make, you're at least armed with the facts of, you know, what you could be making and what your market value is so that if whatever they're offering is not something that's going to be a good fit for you, then, you know, you can negotiate. If they're still not willing to budge, then you know it's time to move on. Sure. And if you're in the situation where you're being offered a lower salary, but it's the job that offers you sky-high advancement opportunities and you know you're going to move up quickly or you know that you're going to get a lot of compensation from other sources like stock options or additional benefits, car allowances, that's the kind of thing that you need to take into consideration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a really good thing to add. So number five on the list is you can't figure out what you'll be responsible for. I think with all jobs, there's a little bit of ambiguity, especially when you start out. It's like you've got the job description, but I mean, I'm sure you even, Amy, from your experience, I'm sure you do things here that you didn't think you'd be doing as a recruiter, and it's not always a bad thing. Sometimes you get to learn new things, and you get to you know, do something that you didn't think you'd have the opportunity to do, so there could be good and bad to that, but um, especially when starting a new job, you want to have a pretty good idea of what you'll be doing, and so you want to make sure that they're giving you a good picture of what you'll be doing. I think it's a red flag if it seems like 
You can't really get a straight answer, though. What do you think about this one? I agree with you, Megan. I think that at the very least, you should know before taking a job who you're going to work for, what schedule you're going to work, and have a basic idea of what you'll be working on, who you'll be working with. If it's more of a white-collar job than a technical job, then you should have a solid understanding of your performance expectations and what your day-to-day -day is going to include. Now, that said, you can't condense an entire career or 40 hours a week into a page or two of job description. That's just not reasonable. But you should know what you're going to be doing before you show up. You shouldn't feel confused or uncertain about what the expectation is for you. Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you're really not going to know if you're performing well if you don't even know what you're supposed to be doing. And so it's fair to ask for clear expectations from your manager so that you're both using the same scorecard um, to kind of see how you're progressing and how you're doing so that you can advance eventually, hopefully. Absolutely. And that's the kind of thing that should be hashed out during the interview process. By the time you get the job offer, you should understand what the job entails, what you'll be doing, where you'll be doing it, all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. So high turnover is number six on the list. And it's like I mentioned at the beginning, nobody wants to be seen as a job hopper. However, it is natural for people to not stay at the same company for 20, 30 years anymore like they used to. Um, it's just the landscape has changed. It's more competitive now. So that's something that you know, if you hear about high turnover at a company, I still think it's a red flag because while people you know, will eventually decide to move on for whatever reason, if it seems like there's a constant revolving door of people, especially if it's going to be in the position that you're being hired into, it's something to take note of. Absolutely. If you are hearing about and seeing people quitting consistently after 30, 60, 90 days, a very short tenure on the job, that can be a red flag. Now, there are certain industries that just generally do have a high turnover. So I would take a look at what type of job it is because there are certain jobs where people have always moved through quickly, and that's just the nature of the game. And then there's other jobs where if you have a lot of people coming in and out, definitely a red flag. Yeah, and I, one thing I've heard is you know, when you're in the interview process, without specifically asking, you know, what happened to the person who was in this role before, you could say something like, is this a new position or, you know, was somebody in this role before and see how the interviewer answers and kind of, you know, gauge their response that way. It might be some that their answer might give you an indication of something that you didn't know before, like poor management. It could have been because you know, the person decided to pursue a different career path, maybe they moved. You never know. You might not get a detailed answer, but it's always worth asking. Yes, you should always ask that question. You can even take a less direct approach if you don't feel comfortable asking that way and ask the interviewer about how much growth the company is having at that time. That's a good way to sort of, if you need to beat around the bush, you can ask that question in that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good. That's definitely a good alternative. Okay, so wrapping up that list, I think that was a really good article. But what I want to talk about now is just, um, 
you know, how can a candidate determine if the job is right for them during the interview process? Like, are there certain strategies that you would have that weren't on that list um, in terms of, you know, factors to consider, whether it's the salary, the boss, opportunity for advancement, any of those things? What kind of, what advice do you have for job seekers? So for determining if a job is right for you, there's a lot of factors that each person's going to need to take into consideration. Do you feel welcome to the team? Is the pay in line with what you need to support yourself and your family? Is it better than that? Do you have room to advance and move up? Are you going to learn a new skill, or can you develop a skill you already have even more? Will you receive training that you can use to advance at the company or take that somewhere else eventually? And does the schedule work for you and your family? Is it a good fit? Definitely. And there are certain questions I know that you can even ask during the interview to determine some of those. Like, um, you know, one of them that I've seen that I think is a really good question is asking the person who's interviewing you, are, what type of opportunities are there for additional training and education? Or you could ask, what type of feedback or, you know, how should I expect to get feedback from my manager or how do, you know, how do managers provide feedback? You could ask that because there, there are a lot of jobs that, you know, you don't really get a lot of feedback and then that kind of stunts your professional growth because how are you really ever going to get a raise or a promotion if you're not getting that feedback? You don't know where you stand, so you can't improve. You never are really getting the opportunity to ask for the next step. So you want to ask that during the interview process just to see if that's the type of organization that does prioritize that manager feedback. So it's very important before you start and during the interview process to ensure that both parties, both you and your new manager, have really clear and defined boundaries for what is expected of you. Um, Setting that expectation early on will enable the candidate to know where they are in relation to the standard, whether they're exceeding it, whether they're meeting it. It's very important to know what the expectation is. That way you know if you're not meeting it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, so if a candidate does receive an offer but then decides that it's not the right fit, do you have any tips on how they can decline the offer while still being professional. I mean, I know that ghosting is something that we still deal with a lot and we all wish we didn't. I know for you, especially as a recruiter, it's such a pain and it's, it's not unique to Orion. It's really just the way things are now. There are a lot of people that will accept a position and then never even show up to their first day on the job. And I don't, we have actually a whole podcast episode about ghosting because I don't think a lot of times it comes from a bad place. I think some people do it to avoid confrontation, but it's really not the best way to handle it at all. It's definitely not the most professional way. So do you have any advice on how candidates can decline an offer while still being professional? Sure. And I think that most candidates who do ghost on an interview, a job offer, or starting, I don't think they realize how much they're hurting themselves by doing that. Because your reputation and your professional network are two of the most valuable things that you're going to have in your lifetime. Now, to politely decline a job offer, which you can do or withdraw yourself from consideration at any time during the hiring process. 
The most important thing is to be professional and show gratitude and respectfully decline. So I would recommend that you either email your resignation or do it in person. If you do submit your resignation in person, I would recommend that you bring along a written letter. That's the professional way to do it. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be drawn out. Just thank them for the opportunity and say that you respectfully decline. Well, and the good thing about, you know, so if we're talking about declining it after you've already accepted but before you've started work is that the Orion recruiter can kind of help you with that too. And same with the account executives because they'll be in communication with the company. So I don't think you personally would um, have to do a whole lot. It wouldn't be super awkward for you. But yes, your advice about that is really good where, you know, you definitely want to be professional. You want to you know, have a written resignation. You want to follow the proper procedures rather than just not showing up to work the next day. Exactly. And this is a very small world that we live in. And I think a lot of people, especially um, younger candidates, people who are just transitioning out of the military, sometimes you don't realize how small an industry is or how small your town is that you're moving to. A lot of people know each other. And so you want to take care of your reputation no matter what. Mm -hmm. And sometimes maybe, you know, it's someone who is in HR, hiring manager, they go to a different company down the road. Maybe you're interested in that company and they remember you from that. Or, you know, maybe another opportunity comes up in a couple of years that you're interested in at the previous company. Every company has some sort of database where they're tracking applicants and there's going to be a note on your record that you ghosted them, you didn't show up for your interview, or you didn't show up for your first day. Um, there's always going to be something like that that you know lives on. So it's not a one-time thing where you just don't show up, you accepted another job, and you're good. It might be that way, and you know, it, people I'm sure get away with it all the time, but you just never know, so you may as well play it safe. Sure, you never know. It's kind of like how you should never be unkind to the secretary when you go into a job interview. You never know who has the ear of the hiring manager. You never know who you're mm -hmm. going to run into later on down the road. Maybe you accept another job, you ghost this one, and then the company you start with goes bankrupt, and then you're job hunting. You wish you could get this opportunity back, but now you can't because you ghosted them. Whereas if you had politely submitted an offer and declined an offer, sorry, you wouldn't be in that situation where they're unwilling to work with you again. Mm -hmm. um, and then of course there are some general tips if you do decide to leave is just, you know, after you've sent your letter of rec or resignation, you of course want to at least do that two weeks in advance so that they have the time to prepare to find somebody else and then you know, during your two weeks there, make sure you're making the most of it. Make sure that you are offering to help as much as you can, whether that's helping to get somebody else up to speed or, you know, helping to wrap up some of the things that you're working on. Don't coast through the last two weeks. You're really not going to leave a very good impression if you don't at least try to help make things easier for them after you leave. Absolutely. You always want to finish strong because you want to use your last employer as a reference, right? So mm -hmm. when your next 
manager calls your old boss and says, tell me about this guy or girl. You want them to say nothing but good things about you. You want them to say, well, I'm sorry that we lost this person. They were a great employee. They'll be an asset to your team. You don't want your new boss to hear, well, he was great up until he decided to quit and then he didn't do anything. That's not the kind of stuff that you want your new boss to hear. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure you get asked this a lot. It's just the how long should I stay at the job? I mean, I don't really know if there's a magic number. I almost think that it is really case by case. I mean, you know, have you switched jobs in less than six months previously? Like, is it something where your resume is going to show, you know, a short tenure at, you know, two or more positions? Or could you stick it out and make the most of it with changes like by talking to your manager? Or is it something that you truly hate and it's not – even remotely helping you in your next step to your career, then maybe it really is time. But I think it's just such a case-by-case basis. But I feel like that's a question that's always being asked is like, do I, I think, I feel like I always hear two years is like the standard where everyone thinks if I can just stay for two years, I'll be fine and I can leave. Um, But at what cost? I mean, sometimes you're really truly miserable and it's really not worth it to stick out for two years. So job hopping is definitely case-by-case. If you've had five jobs in four years, that's going to be a red flag for the hiring manager who's looking at your resume. Now, if you had five contract jobs in four years, that's a completely different scenario because they were contracts, right? That's not under your control. Two years, I really dislike that everyone has it in their head that two years is the magic number because when I look at a resume for a candidate who has had a bunch, like five or six, two-year jobs, as soon as a new hiring manager sees it, they know that they have 24 months with you. And that doesn't really make you a good time investment, does it? Because it takes about six months to get someone up to speed on a new job. And after that, the hiring manager, the company, they only have 18 more viable months with you. By the time you're really in the swing of things, you know what you're doing, they think you're already out the door. So, I mean, two years can hurt you if you have a lot of two-year jobs. Now, that said, if you start a job and you hate it, you're miserable, your mental health is suffering, and there's nothing you can do about it. You can't change departments. You go through the normal professional avenues to try to deconflict, and you just can't stand it. Then quit. Go find a new job, but do it the right way. Mhm. And I found this was pretty interesting from a Glassdoor survey. It kind of just touches on all of the things that we've talked about. It says that, um, according to this survey, six in ten employees say that they found that there were aspects of their job that were a lot different than the expectations that they had during the interview process. And then, you know, that includes everything from the employee morale, 40%. So we talked about that in terms of trying to gauge what the culture is and how satisfied people were with working there. Job responsibilities, we talked about that. About 40% of people say that that was different than what they thought. Um, the hours they expected to work, about 40%, compensation, 25%, company culture, 25%. So there definitely are things that are, you know, 
could potentially end up being different than you thought during the interview process based on what you were told. But I think to kind of wrap this all up, it's really just about looking for those indications during the interview process, asking the right questions about it, whether you're asking the interviewer or if you're working with your Orion recruiter, you can ask them. They're going to know a little bit more about the company. So it's really just about asking those questions to make sure that at the end of the day, you have all the information that you possibly can to make the decision. You're never going to have all the information, but you want to get as much as you can. Sure. You definitely want to do your research before you accept an offer because if you do that, if you do the homework on the front end, that can save you so much time, energy, and trouble on the back end once you've already started. Because mm -hmm. nobody wants to be in panic mode where you're asking the question that we just talked about is how long do I have to stay here? Nobody wants to find themselves in that situation. Um, Sometimes, unfortunately, it's inevitable um, because, like I said, you can't always have all of the information. It's kind of a leap of faith. But by making sure that you're doing the research and asking the questions, you can at least try to set yourself up for success as much as you possibly can. Definitely. And it's also important to start a new job with reasonable expectations going in. Should you expect to be promoted to a manager within 90 days of starting your new job? In most cases, probably not, unless that's something you talked about with the hiring manager before you accepted and you agreed on that. But if you've been there for six or seven years, you're seeing no growth, then it's time to take a hard look at your career. Mm -hmm. Yep, I think that's great advice. Amy, is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners before we wrap this up? No, I think that covers it. Thank you so much for having me back, Megan. Of course. I look forward to the next time, but thank you for joining me. No problem. Have a great day. You too. Thanks for listening to this episode of Orion's From the Battlefield to the Boardroom podcast. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud so that you never miss an episode. We'd love to hear from you, so if you have any feedback, please send me an email at podcast at oriontalent.com. Our goal is to help all military job seekers through their transition and beyond. So make sure you share our show with your friends. See you next time.